I'm Megan Hale, and you're listening to The Enoughness Revolution, a feel-good podcast on creating joy in life, work, and love. Join me every Monday and Thursday for practical tools that speak to the soul to create a life you love. It's Transformational Thursday, sisters, and I have a really special guest for you today. She has a really powerful story, and I'm really excited to share it with you. Before we get into that, I want to remind all of you guys that there are actually two more spots available for Wild and Holy Weekend. It's going to be a magical, powerful transformational retreat, June 16th through 18th in New Braunfels, Texas. We're going to be getting out of our heads and into our hearts while in the deep heart of Texas. So if you are interested in joining me, you can find out more information at bit.ly slash wildholyweekend, or just check out the show notes for more information. So today I am speaking with the lovely Christine McAllister, who is an experienced mentor and entrepreneur who was inspired after the sudden loss of her daughter to motivate and inspire other women to use their unique gifts and challenges to create and lead the business and lives of their dreams. She's going to be sharing a little bit more about this really intimate story with you today. Christine's authenticity and background has inspired thousands around the world. Described most often as genuine, her energetic and relatable style has earned her thousands of loyal fans. An award-winning PBS documentarian, a three-time Olympic Games freelancer, and founder of two six-figure businesses and a nonprofit, her experience with telling compelling stories makes her a remarkable speaker and guest expert. We had such a blast recording this conversation, you guys. I just fell in love with her, and she was even so kind enough to send me some amazing teas from her home state of Kentucky, and I just love her, and I know that you will too. So without further ado, here is the lovely Christine. Welcome back to the Enoughness Revolution, everyone. I am so thrilled to have my next guest with me today. When she first reached out via email, I knew immediately that I wanted to have her come and share her and her story with all of you. So I'm so grateful, Christine, that you are with me today. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Megan. Oh, it's a pleasure. I am so excited for this conversation because I think, well, for, first of all, for all of our listeners, we tried to record two days ago and there was a huge Texas storm that came through and it kept on losing power. So this is actually our second take. And I can already tell that this conversation is going to weave us in a little bit of a different direction than we are originally going. And I'm excited to explore that because as I'm looking over some of the tools that you sent over um, to create more joy in life, work, and love. One of the first things that really caught my eye is learning how to be present. And that's something that I have really been sinking into in a much deeper way this year. And I would love to know from you how this tool found you. Mm. Oh, I like the way you asked that. <laughs> I, think, I think it found me because I... I, I got hit over the head with it, basically. Mm. I wasn't like, oh, this is calling to me and I should explore it. It was like I was constantly busy and constantly striving and really driven and feeling like if I wasn't working on my business or I wasn't doing something productive, then I wasn't worthy and just, you know, wearing out my body, mind, and soul that way. And 
I, you know, the only exercise I ever did was like serious cardio. Cause I was like, everything else is a waste of time. Like this is yeah. a great metaphor for, for this whole presence thing. And I was seeing a naturopath at the time cause I was having hormone problems. And she said, Christine, like you're literally going to die if you keep this up. Hmm. And I was like, okay, well tell me what to do. Like I just kind of, you know, went right, right on the whole, like, great, give me a list. Let's fix this. And she said, <laughs> you need to start slowing down and you need to start practicing meditation and yoga. And here are a couple of places that you could start. And I was like, oh brother, like I'm rolling my <laughs> right now. And <laughs> that's how learning to be present found me. That was a lot of years ago. And so it's been a journey, but I would say that it's been one that I am embracing more and more each year. Yeah. Uh, so for all the listeners who are out there, if you are new to the podcast, you might not have heard my story with this because my story is very much like yours. I'm a doer, not a beer. <laughs> And I hit this wall with myself too, where the person that I was working with says, you need to slow down. And for somebody who is so used to doing in order to feel worthwhile, like you're doing enough, for somebody to tell you to stop doing so much, it creates this almost like screeching halt in your psyche of like, well, what else would I do? <laughs> and there's this huge, um, uncomfortable feeling that comes up as we start to like divorce ourselves from this doing, doing, doing faster, 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 hurry, hurry, hurry. Like we've been on this hamster wheel our whole lives, really honestly believing that if we just go faster or harder, that we're going to get somewhere. But the reality is we do get to that somewhere, but we're still on the hamster wheel chasing the next thing and the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. And it will run us into the ground. So learning how to approach life from this way of like slow, intentional, spaciousness, there's no rush, there's no hurry, you're right on time, is almost like a 180 degree shift for the type A's who are... <laughs> and I'm curious for you because I know that this happens for me. That's kind of like my nature. <laughs> so if I'm not intentionally practicing more presence, I find myself on the hamster wheel again. And it's like this process of like taking myself off the hamster wheel, sitting in my nice, comfy, delicious spaciousness. I'm like, oh, this feels so much better. Why do I not just choose this automatically? <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I, I am exactly the same way. It is, it is an intention and a choice that uh, I have to follow through on. Yeah. And there was a really big epiphany that came for me. And I'm, I'm just curious if this happened to you too. So when I started to slow down, I started to realize that a lot of my um, doing, doing, doing and being busy was a way for me to avoid feeling some of the things that I didn't want to feel. And Brene Brown talks about this in her work. I've had that, like busyness is a way that we numb. And here was the really funny part. I always thought that I was really in touch with my emotions and I was like tuning into them and all this stuff. When I actually started to slow down, I realized that I thought about my feelings a lot. 
but I didn't really feel them. I didn't experience them. I didn't let them move through me or inform me. Did you have anything similar like that happen for you emotionally? Yeah, I think I can really relate to the whole, it, it does numb the, well, I guess both the highs and the lows, right? But if somehow, especially the, the lows or the emotions you might call, you know, more uncomfortable or, or negative, quote unquote, because you're getting positive emotions from checking stuff off the list, right? Yes, like that absolutely clicks that serotonin button in your brain. And so that's, that is very reinforcing. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you keep doing it. And I think when one of the things that I think I was believing about the hamster wheel is that doing, doing, doing would eventually somehow make me happy also. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, um, it was both my nature, but also a means to an end. It, oh, if I can only get this, then I'll be happy. If I can only have this, then I'll be happy, as opposed to learning how to be happy now yes. and enjoying the process, as like cliche as that sounds. And I, I agree with you that there have been times when I've had to look at, you know, something in my life and go, I'm not happy. Like, probably need to process that and sit with it instead of just moving to the next thing on the to-do list, which is really uncomfortable right. because out of that comes some different action that usually is a tough one. Otherwise we would have done it already and been happy, right? Yes. <laughs> Something uncomfortable. And so I think that's often why we avoid it too, right? Like we kind of believe this other illusion of, of doing will make us happy, but it's actually the sitting with and moving through something that's harder than just doing, if that comes naturally to us, that is the real thing that's going to open up the possibility of more happiness. Absolutely. And that's really the foundation of how the enoughness revolution started. Because as you use this hamster wheel analogy in order to chase happiness, I was chasing it to reach enoughness. And it was only by undoing that of learning how to be that I realized that I was already enough, whether I achieved more, did more, became more, made more, whatever. That was the illusion that I was believing that if once I make more, I'll be enough. Once I do more, I'll be enough. Once I become more, I'll, I'll be enough. Once I make this impact, I'll be enough. And I don't think that I ever would have had the awareness of like, oh my God, I'm already enough. If I hadn't have torn myself away from that and, and like sat with my wholeness as it is now, sat with everything that I had already completed that I wasn't even acknowledging, right? Because doers are notorious for just like, check that thing off, move on. What's the next thing? And we never sit and celebrate like, oh my God, like how much have you already done and completed and achieved that you aren't even giving yourself credit for, right? Which That's brings us to our next tip for you, because you said journal your gratitude, successes, and triggers to celebrate and learn from them. What a powerful practice. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I make sense of the world. There's a quote that says something like, I don't know how I feel until I write about it. Mm. 
And maybe the person who said that was also a doer. (laughs) (laughs) But words and writing and stories have always been my thing. You know, when I was young, I just begged and begged and begged for more bedtime stories. And I've always been a voracious reader, except at times in my life when I wasn't really in touch with who I am. And then I wasn't reading because that was one of the first, you know, things that somehow just disappeared into the ether of busyness. And then bringing that back always really connects me to myself. And so for a long time, I, I only journaled when things were really bad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) in order to process like a bad breakup or like a hard time. But now I've learned to use it uh, for the positives as well and to to help me figure out how I feel and figure out what's going on and make sense of, you know, whatever the emotion is in my brain and and whatever's triggering me and figure out why, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So that I can so that I can feel it and make an empowered decision about how to handle it, how to move through it. Because I think a lot of times I might just be triggered by something and react and not even understand what's going on or why. But if I make myself crack open the journal in five minutes, I can be like, Oh, that's what this is about. And to kind of diffuse the situation, move on and, and, learn something in the process too. Mm -hmm. And so I used to think that like writing down 10 things that you're grateful for was like cheesy and like way too simple to work. Like it had to be harder than that and (laughs) overcomplicating things, right? Nope. It's really not, you know, it really can like change the course of your day or set you off in the right way. And so, yeah, those are a few of the ways that I use journaling now. Yeah. And I think, especially like with gratitude lists, things like this, like I had the same opinion of this. Um, like, Oh yeah, that's stupid. But (laughs) what's interesting. So back in my past life as a psychotherapist, I was, um, going to a lot of CEU trainings by other psychologists, psychotherapists. And there was one training that I went to that was kind of on like the concept of happiness And there's actually a lot of research that suggests that focusing on gratitude and having a gratitude practice not only makes us more resilient to depression and anxiety, but it can actually improve depression and anxiety. So it's actually a really positive mental health tool. But from like a professional standpoint, especially when you're in a creative space, focusing on gratitude and appreciation, it shifts something internally in me. Because I don't know about you, but like when I'm in a funk or when I'm upset about stuff, like I can't really create a lot of stuff. Like it feels very pressured when I'm in that space versus when I'm in this like deep appreciation of everything that I have, everything that I've done, everything that I have to be grateful for. It's like it opens something in me for some new idea to come through. It's like that's how inspiration finds me. And I think Elizabeth Gilbert talks a lot about that in Big Magic of how we can actually use gratitude as a way of connecting with divine inspiration and we can create from this space. And that's a beautiful thing, especially when your livelihood is dependent on what you create in the world, you know? Yes. Yes. It's such a great hack, I guess. It's especially (laughs) useful for people like us who want to, you know, accomplish and be productive and all of those things. It is... It is with intention, right? Like it's something, it is a practice to do 
for lots of reasons other than just being grateful, which is in itself, of course, valid and very useful, but you're right. It does, it does open up, uh, that sort of higher order thinking that goes away when we're feeling stressed or we're putting pressure on something, you know, and our brain literally does not operate as well. Yeah. And I I would say even like one step deeper than all this, like even just focusing on your successes. So as a natural doer, (laughs) I'm also a natural giver. And the flip side of that is receiving. So when I don't take enough time to really sit with my successes and celebrate them, I'm also shutting down to other people's compliments about my successes and achievements. And so it's actually blocking my ability to receive from others. And when we're not actually taking ownership of the things that have gone well, we're missing a huge opportunity to build our confidence, to own our gifts and our strengths, to stand a little bit taller and prouder and louder in the world. And we can make that shift just by celebrating ourselves. It can start there, you know? That's so true. That's so true because we do tend to forget. I was doing an interview a couple of weeks ago and the guy had done like extensive research on me and had written his own intro and all of this. And he had read my bio on my website. And when he was reading it back, I was like, I forgot about that. (laughs) (laughs) And so there's something very strange that our brains do. Maybe it's to keep us moving, to keep us doing that makes us forget and kind of drives us to do more, achieve more. Mm -hmm. But I know that I've accomplished some incredible things in my life that have other people going, wow, how have you already done all that? And you're not a hundred years old, you know, but where can I look at living in and appreciating and not just dismissing or forgetting those things even more? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that takes a lot of like intentional practice too, because it's not, I don't really think I've met anybody that that's just like their natural thing to do. (laughs) I haven't met that person yet. (laughs) Um, I think we all have a tendency to do that of just like brush our stuff under the rug or see it as no big deal. We diminish it. We forget all the internal processes we had to go through in order to achieve something or experience something or to walk through something. And that's a lot of like inner transformation that happened along the way for us to just achieve one goal. We often lose sight of that. So I think it's a, it's a really important practice for us. So I'm glad that you shared that in your tools. So as a doer, as an achiever, your last goal is to take at least a full day off a week. And I know that that's got to be like, it has to push up against like, what? A whole day off? What? Yes. Yes. So how did you start implementing this? And did it create any anxiety for you at first? Oh my gosh. Yes. I had a therapist tell me years and years ago, Christine, your inbox is still going to be full when you die. (laughs) So... Why, you know, again, to this point of like not enjoying the process Mm -hmm. and just pushing through and, you know, whizzing by all the moments and experiences that that are truly what make us happy. I actually, I always thought, oh, that sounds nice, but that's not for me. The whole taking a day off thing. I'm an entrepreneur and I've got people who need me. And like, so I'd talk about it and I wouldn't do it. and. I, 
there was a man speaking about a book he had written at my church. This is a church I was involved in years and years ago. And the book was called 24 six. And I was really compelled by that. And of course, you know, one of the 10 commandments is to take Sundays off. Mm-hmm. And I w- often find myself really uh, tired by Friday night and thinking, oh, well, maybe I'll adopt the, you know, practice from Judaism of like a Sabbath from Friday night to Saturday night because it right. seems to work a little better for my, for my clock. But I mean, I, I, I just thought about it a lot, you know, and then I decided I was going to experiment with it as a New Year's resolution one year. Okay. And it was so hard. <laughs> I mean, I was like, what do I do with myself? Like yeah. I put my computer away and I think I turned my phone off and I went in a room and I journal. I was like, I can't do this all day. You know, the practice has evolved over the years and I am definitely not perfect at it and definitely didn't keep that resolution for however many years it's been. There are times when I'm like, oh yeah, I need to get back to that for sure. But I know that my team has told me, we want you to take more days off because then you come back and you like check off all this stuff on the list and base camps blowing up and you know, stuff they've been waiting on that I was the bottleneck for is like done, 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 done. It makes me way more than twice as productive on the next day that I took a day off. And plus it's, I know that it's, it's good like to allow myself to enjoy for all the things that I've accomplished the previous week for those to be enough. Yeah. Right? And to say, this is my practice of being instead of doing. So good. So good. And I know that it's, I'm glad that you mentioned that it's like evolved over the years, because I think oftentimes we try and like perfect our resolutions and we're like, well, I'm not doing it good enough, (laughs) but we have to really kind of play with it and be experimental and finding what works for us. And like, just listening to you talk, I'm like looking at my weekly calendar of like, where am I letting some things leak and where could I be a little bit stricter? on really holding that container for myself. So like maybe there is that whole day where I'm not on social at all. I'm like completely detox, right? Cause I've started to notice for myself, like especially since becoming a mom, I'm trying to like do so many different things like at the same time. And it means that nothing is really getting done well or efficiently. Mm-hmm. And that goes for rest too. Like I'm trying to find like little pockets of time to fit in rest and relaxation. And I think some of that's just real life, like having a little person that you're taking care of now. But I definitely think having stricter boundaries, because this is what it's really about, (laughs) is boundaries and holding yourself accountable to the life that you want to live. Because we're the ones that are in charge of whether we open a laptop or not, whether we hop on the phone call or not, right? Yeah. So that's where the real change happens is actually holding ourselves accountable to the person that we want to be living the life we want to live and realizing that it can shift Mm -hmm. from month to month, depending on what our needs are or playing around with something until it feels good. Cause things can think like they can sound good in theory, but it's only until you actually start doing it that you actually know if it feels good. That's right. Yeah. You get the clarity from taking action, not just from thinking about it for a long time. Yeah. So I really want to talk about how you have found your work. Cause I think that there's a really beautiful story here 
of how you help people live a life with passion? Sure. I always have been entrepreneurial. I was, you know, the kid with the lemonade stand and I love animals. So I started a pet sitting business when I was six or something, (laughs) dog walking, you name it. And always, I guess, had a side hustle Mm -hmm. (laughs) and always knew that I wanted to have my own business. And it took me a while to figure out how to make that happen, though I started I started a side business the year that I got out of grad school and took a full-time job because I didn't know how to go full-time with a business right out of school. I, I just I couldn't I couldn't see it. I didn't have someone to show me, and so I just got a job because that's what you do. And I started my side business and I went full time with that. It was an online marketing business, still is an online marketing business. And I went full time with that after about five years of working in a nine to five and four of those years being a nine to five that I absolutely hated mm-hmm. largely because, well, the structure was one, like it didn't, it didn't suit me, you know? The other part of it was that it was a very toxic work environment with like huge turnover and, you know, a lot of like people getting sick from the stress. Oh, been there. Terrible, right? It's rough. Yeah. It's really And, and especially when you know it's not what you're meant to be doing. Yep. Uh, you're like, why am I putting myself through this or better? How can I get out? How fast can I get out? You know, yeah. I was praying to get laid off. All that mm. stuff. So when I finally quit, I, I worked in the online marketing business and loved it for several years, um, full time. And then I, I had the sense that there was something more I could be doing with my, with my talents. Like I'm good at it. I'm a great writer. And so a lot of what I did was create content, which was, and is super easy for me. Uh, Facebook ads expert got that those things clicking and created websites. And I mean, you name it, I was doing it on social media and, and websites for these companies and really like changing their businesses, which was very gratifying, but I knew there was more. And, but I just, again, I didn't see the path and it was comfortable enough that I was like, well, I'll just keep doing this. It's what's in front of me. And then that all shifted in a really big way for me in early 2015. I knew some things were going to be changing in my life because I was pregnant with my first baby. And so I thought I was going to take some time off and I was kind of like feeling that out, not sure how that was going to look. And And right before, (laughs) right before my due date, I went in for a routine visit and they couldn't find the baby's heartbeat. And I mean, I was ready like to take it back to the hospital and have this baby who we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl and had just had my last baby shower and was like, put the car seat in the car, let's go home and wait for Christine to go into labor. And so instead, it started this series of events, which basically led to me being admitted to the hospital right away to induce and deliver a baby, which we found out was a girl um, who had passed away, just gone from one, you know, 
kick to nothing and no heartbeat and, and no idea why. And so that turned everything upside down, backwards, forwards, just in a way that I don't think anything else could because it's just so outside the realm of what you ever imagine uh, a loss occurring in your life, you know? And I didn't know anybody. I thought that this had happened to, like it wasn't on my radar. It doesn't happen, right? I'd made it past the first trimester. Like we're all good, you know? So the soul searching that I did out of losing my daughter, Maeve, was what led me to creating and launching Life with Passion. Because I, I realized that I wanted to create a legacy for Maeve because she wasn't going to be here to do it. Yeah. And I wanted her to have a legacy that she could be proud of. And I, you know, I wanted her to be proud of me. Mm-hmm. And I decided that it was worth whatever discomfort was involved to, let's see, to maybe disappoint some people mm-hmm. by discovering what it was that I was particularly the best at and doing that and devoting my time and energy to that. And even just to look at those things and to look at the self-doubt and the fears that had held me back from doing those things before, all of that right. stuff, like it was worth it now because I didn't care. Like I really didn't have the ability to care what people thought of me anymore Yeah, because it really put things in perspective. Like, I can't help you because I'm doing really well if I take a shower, you know? And I also began to allow myself to receive support, and I never had before. And so what I found out of that was that, uh, hey, it's a good thing to receive, right? And not just to give and take care of everyone else. And it also opened me up to hiring my first coach who led me through a lot of this really deep transformational work and looking at my zone of genius, which has always been encouraging and helping other women to own how amazing they are and start their businesses if they want to. So now instead of like throwing all of my proverbial encouragement and support before proverbial swine, I'm not calling anyone a pig here, but like people who did not want to start a business, but I was constantly trying to talk them into it because they were in my life and that's what I needed to be doing. And I didn't have an outlet for it otherwise. Um, Now I had people I was actually supporting who wanted my help, you know, and it's been so transformational uh, for everyone involved. And it's also given me the opportunity to talk about Maeve and remember her and honor her and create so much space for other people to have conversations about their grief, about their losses, and to, to do some, some part of their grieving and, and healing work and to get to, to help facilitate that while helping people build their businesses. I mean, it's yeah. just been a whole uh, revolutionary, you know, approach for me and I think for the women I support because it's about so much more than the right Facebook ad or the right website. It's about 
the self-doubt and the fear and the moving into celebrating and those things that are like the deep work that, that <laughs> I call myself a business coach, but really, <laughs> you know, it, it's life-changing. Absolutely. And I mean, I think, you know, your loss of Maeve was a catalyst for you in so many different ways to start working from your zone of genius versus this zone of excellence, which you were doing. And that's a really powerful shift in and of itself, right? But I think also to find purpose, purpose and loss, that allows us to be so much more resilient and to see like when we experience these massive tragedies that really have no meaning behind them, like why did this happen? Like we're, we're searching for the answer. We can take it and give meaning to it. Mm -hmm. And I see you carrying Maeve's legacy on into every single person that you can inter interact with from this day forward. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like what a testament for her and for you. Yeah. I always say this kid really wanted to be famous because, mm -hmm. you know, she's been featured big time in the Huffington Post and we talked about her on TV and we have a nonprofit that helps, you know, others remember and share, but her, the name is Miles with Maeve. So she gets talked about, she's on t-shirts, you know, all the time I hear from people who are like, Oh, I love her name or, yeah. you know, oh, she's such a beautiful, like, legacy and spirit and she's living on and she's so much more famous than a lot of people who maybe lived a full life here on earth. Yes. And it's so, it's so fun for me to get to do that. And I think also to, I used to kind of scoff at the idea of inner child and, you know, those those types of things were like too frou-frou or hippie or something for me, whatever label you want to put on. Mm -hmm. And something about having a child of my own has reconnected me to who I was as a little girl. Yeah. And, and, and that's the way I show up now where before I felt like I had to be serious because I was a professional and that's how professionals are. And yeah. uh, now I get to be, this really crazy mix of like jumping around and waving my, you know, hands in the air all the time. And also asking these really deep, insightful questions that mm -hmm. might make someone burst into tears, you yes. know, because my intuition is really strong. And so showing up in as my true self and also like, I think modeling that is a really cool thing to be able to do. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, so for all of our listeners, Christine, you had a second daughter. I and do. She's a few months younger than my son. So getting to witness her growing up, I think is only going to strengthen that freedom and permission to be with your inner child, to be who you really are, to, to be silly and to really trust that intuition. Because I think, you know, as children, like we, we are so connected to that part of ourselves. And it's only through adulthood that I think we start to get disconnected from it. So I think having a child is such a beautiful opportunity for us to reconnect with that. You know, that's a great point. That is a great point to be silly and to watch, watch them learn and do what they want. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So many lessons there. Well, when you talk about helping people build businesses though, like being able to get to their core of who they are and create a business from that place. Wow. 
like things go, it's not like we, they go like super smooth, but they do go a whole lot more smoothly when you're really honoring who you are and the, the impact you want to make in the world. And you can't create a business without that clarity piece, you know? And I think having been in business for a few years now, it's really important to stay in touch with who we are now, how we want to show up now, because we continue to shift based on our life experiences. And I know that you know that wholeheartedly having gone through the loss of Maeve and how much that shifted you, right? Yes. And I think there's this big fallacy out there that is like, just work hard in a business and pick the right one. And, it, and, and, and then you'll succeed as opposed to like, it's not about the external picking the right business. It is about picking something you're passionate about that you are willing to keep showing up for because it's part of who you are. And it's, it's such a different approach. And I get asked a lot, like, do you really think it's important to have a business that you're passionate about? Because I do X, Y, Z business and I'm not passionate about it, but like, I like it and I like the life that it creates for me. And I think that's great. And some people are like, that's the right thing for them. But I think, I know for me and for the women I work with, the, the deeper meaning of the work itself is really, really important and key. And, and yeah, it requires a lot of clarity on what that is. And a lot of times we can't see our, we can't see it ourselves. We're too close to it, you know? Yes. Like I'm holding my hand right in front of my face and staring at it. It's like we... We just want someone to tell us what our thing is. Yeah. And then we, then we can say, oh, yeah, that's really true for me. Yeah, thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. And I think that that's one of my clients call like clarity, one of my superpowers, right? Because I think working with somebody who's willing to go there and having just having that desire in itself is going to lead you like everybody listening, it's going to lead you to the opportunities to discover it. You know, it's not about some secret formula. It's about the intention mm -hmm. and continuing to show up for that desire and looking for opportunities to use it, to explore it, to get some feedback from somebody you trust. Those are the things that are the foundations of creating a business and a life that you're passionate about. I love that. I love that. And I see that show up so powerfully for me, like in my journey and how I have this phrase of your truth will always rise. And what I mean by that is when like we, we tend to overcomplicate our purpose and our why. Yes. <laughs> and we think it's, Oh, well, this isn't clear enough or this isn't big enough or this isn't whatever enough. And I have found over and over again that I keep on coming back to the same truth that lives within me. And it comes back over and over again that I'm here to help women create a life that truly honors who they are and what they want and what they wholeheartedly deserve. And that can show up in lots of different outfits, but underneath that core is always the same. So I think when you do, do your work, you're going to go down lots of different paths and it might feel, this one might feel good and this one might not feel good, but whatever happens on your journey, I think we all have these, these, times of our life where we circle back 
and we find that truth that just, it continues to rise up and, and reflect back to us and reflect back to us again and again until you're willing to own it. And mm-hmm. to listen. <laughs> it's not going to leave you alone. <laughs> exactly. So I think working with somebody that has that clarity skill of helping pull that out of you is so helpful. It's been so helpful for me. So I'm so thrilled that you are doing that work of helping women understand what they're passionate about, what's at their core, and how they create a business from that space. Because that creates, I think, fulfillment and alignment. And it really opens us up to all kinds of possibilities that we haven't even imagined yet. And that's when it gets really fun. Yes. Yes. And it starts with, it's, it's like beginning with the end in mind, right? Yes. Like, I know I, I know I want this. Uh, maybe it's time to stop like beating myself up that I don't have it yet or that I don't have the answer yet and to ask a better question of like, well, how can I get that? Like, how can I get that? Yes. Asking better questions is a really powerful tool. I'm glad you brought that up. So I'm going to put the details for Miles with Maeve down in the show notes because I I love that you have created a nonprofit to honor your daughter and carry her legacy forward in the world. Is there any, anywhere else that people can connect with you? Yes, I have an amazing group of women in my private Facebook group. It's called Life with Passion Society. Yes. And it is, I mean, it is a society. There are over a thousand women in there now, and I am amazed by them every day at the way they show up for each other. And it's like a really safe space to practice being visible or to come with your dream and know that people are going to totally cheer you on. And, you know, I've been running the group for a while now, and it's really fun to hear the ways that these connections are being made outside the group now and oh, like some friendships forming and people come there asking, Hey, I don't want to just go hire someone random. I'd love to hire somebody from the group. And this is a, it's a beautiful thing to witness because it was always my intention to be a safe space for, for women to be encouraged. But I really had no idea how powerful it could be because of, because of the women in there. Oh, I love that. There is something so powerful about being in a safe space to put a very vulnerable dream out into the world. And I wrote an article not too long ago, uh, it was titled six ways to protect your dreams because these are like little tiny babies and we, we have to be like kind of protective over them and make sure we're sharing them with the right people who can really pour into us and pour into that dream and hold that vision for us until we can step into it for ourselves. Because I know, I know dreaming (laughs) and there are so many times that we take a step forward and a step back and we question if we can really do something and we question if it's really possible and having that support team around you, that's that thing that like, that's your buoy. It's your life raft for making sure this dream, you know, comes to fruition. So super grateful. I'm going to put that down in the show notes too. And I would just like to say, thank you. Thank you for coming and sharing your wisdom and your journey with me and my audience today. Thank you so much for having me. This has been an amazing conversation. I'm so glad. Everyone, we will see you in a couple of days for another Motivational Monday. Have a good weekend. 